Hi, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm Lindsay Mayland, and I'm so excited to be here with you. On today's show, we're giving tips for sewing with children. This is especially handy if you'll need to entertain kids or grandkids around the holidays. We'll also be sharing the do's and don'ts of displaying antique quilts, tips for planning your handmade holiday gift giving, and some favorite quilty products on our wish lists. And we also chat with Calico Crossing from Lockhart, Texas, about a fun way they're making their quilt shop mobile. So let's dive in. Winter is coming. And if you are like us, you may have kids or grandkids stuck inside the house without many places to go. But being quarantined this winter with the little ones is the perfect opportunity to teach them a new skill. They'll love to learn how to sew, and it potentially can keep them busy all season long. But sewing with kids isn't the easiest. There are special safety precautions to take and changes to make to the machine and other tools to match their ability level. So we have a few staff-tested tips to share for sewing with kids so that both them and you have fun. (laughs) Number one, let kids pick out their own pattern from some easy ones you have pre-selected. Kids like to make things they have a use for, like a pillow, a bag, doll clothes, a garland or banner for their room, or even a simple scarf or throw to keep them warm in the winter. Skip the patterns with complicated piecing or a million steps. Kids have shorter attention spans, so if a pattern has too many steps or is too complicated, they may lose interest fast or feel frustrated. Depending on the age of the child or their interest, you may want to suggest simple hand-sewing projects over something that uses a sewing machine. Next, let them pick their own fabrics. They can shop from your stash or plan a trip to your local quilt shop to pick fabrics out. This is a great opportunity to talk about scale of prints, like large or small, contrast of colors like light and dark, and even some basic color theory like what colors look nice together. But no matter what fabrics they pick, even if you don't personally think the fabrics look good together, honor their choices since they're excited and proud to have made the selection. If a child is very young, sewing with craft felt is easiest since the material doesn't fray and it's sturdier than quilting cottons. Now it's time to adjust some workspaces in your sewing room to fit their smaller size. This may involve lowering your ironing board so they can better see and control the iron, setting up a small cutting station that's safe for their height, or adding a footrest under the sewing machine table so their feet can reach the pedal. This is also a great opportunity to hide any dangerous or valuable tools in your sewing space that you wouldn't want kids to play with. As you're sewing, give constant reminders to the children about safety measures to take. Show them the correct way to handle an iron. Don't assume they know from seeing others do it. And remind them that the iron is hot and not to touch it. 
If they're cutting fabric, show them the correct way and the safe way to cut and remind them to cut away from themselves and to close the rotary cutter when it's not in use. Many kids may feel more comfortable using a scissors to cut fabric, so that may be a better starting point for younger children or you may want to pre-cut the fabric for them. And when you're sewing, remind the child that the needle is sharp and not to get their fingers too close. For younger kids, you could place the foot pedal on the table and have them drive or push down on the foot pedal while you steer the fabric through the machine. You can tell them to stop, slow down, or go as needed. And we all know how hard it can be to get a consistent seam allowance when you're starting to sew. And if the seam allowance isn't accurate, the project may not come together as easily or as prettily as the child is expecting. So there are some ways to set up their seam allowance for success. We suggest turning the speed control on your machine down to the slowest setting until they get more comfortable sewing. Kids like to go fast, but the seam can quickly go wonky if they're going faster than they can control. A guide can also help keep the stitching line straight. So you can create your own by building up several layers of painter's tape, or you can use a foot with a built-in guide if your machine has one. You can tell your little sewer that it's like using bumpers for bowling. But even with all these tools, you know, mistakes are bound to happen. So reassure the child that a seam ripper can most likely fix the problem or just leave it if it's not too noticeable. And lastly, celebrate their finish so they feel proud of themselves. Take a picture of them in their finished project to send to family and friends. Or do a show-and-tell time over dinner. Ask them what they liked about sewing or what frustrated them. This last question will give you a clue into what parts of the process they love and what parts they're having trouble with, so you can encourage them next time they're in the sewing room. Sewing with children can be so fun and rewarding, and it teaches them a lifelong skill, especially when they're looking for things to do over the winter months. Bonding with them over maybe a weekly date in your sewing room can be something for you both to look forward to. And soon enough, they may be making quilts right along with you. We have some free patterns on our website for easy projects for kids to make, so visit our show notes if you're looking for a place to start. We're going to take a quick ad break, but hang tight. When we come back, we're sharing some ideas for displaying antique quilts and some tips for organizing your holiday gift giving. Welcome back. Now I'm here with Jody Sanders, the editor of American Patchwork and Quilting for Collector's Corner, a segment where we explore antique quilts and notions and their history. What are we talking about today, Jody? Okay, well, I thought um, since I've been collecting vintage and antique quilts for uh, over 20 years that maybe I'd share some ideas with you about decorating and displaying them. So I've got 10 do's and a couple don'ts for displaying the vintage quilts. So number one, uh, turn individual blocks that you have into unified works of art by framing them identically. Arrange them as artwork on a wall to create a focal point in a room. 
This is really nice if you have a quilt that's very in very much disrepair and you want to somehow save parts of it. This works out as a really nice decorating idea. Now, who says that quilts on twin beds have to match? Using similar colors like 1930s prints or design motifs like a grandmother's flower garden pattern, these add a sense of cohesiveness in the room with the quilts, even if the quilts themselves are not identical. So you could match your pillowcases and your sheets for a sense of unity. Number three, if a quilt is a little bit tattered and not suitable for daily use, fold it so that the best parts show and arrange that part over the arm of a chair or maybe fold it in a basket. Or you could stack it with other quilts in a cupboard with open doors. Now, if you do stack quilts in a cupboard, I suggest folding each of the quilts over a terry cloth bath towel. What this does is it creates a nice thick edge for you to see the quilt as they're stacked, but it also helps to eliminate fold lines that could form from the weight of the stacked quilts. Number four, a small quilt makes a beautiful statement on a table. And for even a more different look, layer the quilt atop a tablecloth or other item that you've got on the table. But just remember to remove the quilt before you serve any food or drinks. Now, as an alternative, you could have a piece of glass cut to the size of the tabletop to protect the fabric, and that way you could leave the quilt on the table at all times. Number five, use a quilt as a headboard. You could hang it from a curtain rod or also just drape it over an existing headboard. Number six, if your bed is king size and you don't have a vintage quilt that's that big, display the vintage quilt by folding it and placing it at the foot of the bed. Number seven, limit your color palette to just two colors for a classic look. For example, if you use all blue and white quilts, the patterns don't need to match. Number eight, if you have a quilt with a lot of pattern and color, let it be the star and shine. Pare down other decorative elements in the room and choose a neutral paint color for the walls. We all know that wood ladders and drying racks make great display pieces, but just remember to add muslin or a cotton sheet over the wood before you place the quilts on it to protect the vintage fabrics. And number 10, if you hang a quilt that doesn't have a specific right side up, Rotate it side to side every six months. Now I do have just a couple of don'ts I want to include as well. Sunlight can damage a quilt, lightening the colors and weakening the fabrics. So make sure quilts you display are not in direct sunlight. And also, don't use nails to hang a quilt. The weight of the quilt can cause the fabric to tear. Great tips. Thank you so much, Jody. Now I'm here with Elizabeth Stumbo, the art director of American Patchwork and Quilting for Get Organized, a segment where we give storage tips for your sewing space. We know for many of our listeners, the holidays and handmade gifts are already on their minds. And not to panic anyone, but there's only eight weeks until Christmas. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's perfect time to get your handmade presents planned and organized so you can actually enjoy the holidays this year without all of that stressful last minute sewing. I'm so happy we're talking about this topic today because I deal with stressful holiday sewing every year. 
I always have the best intentions of starting early and getting gifts done throughout the year, and then I always put it off until the very last minute. (laughs) And usually it's not the biggest deal because I only make small gifts for people. But this year, I also have a throw-size quilt to make for my brother, and I haven't even ordered fabric yet, so I am in need of any tips you have. Well, hopefully some of the tips I shared today can really help you get started. The first thing I suggest doing is making a complete list of every handmade gift you want to make this year. Write down who it's for and a description of the gift. I also suggest going through your fabric stash at this time and making note of any additional fabric, specialty notions, or patterns you still need to purchase. Also, write down when you need the gift to be completed by. Depending on when your holiday get-togethers are, or when you need to ship presents to those you can't see for the holidays, those deadlines may vary. And another thing to think about when it comes to deadlines is if you plan to hire a long-arm quilter to quilt your gift. Long-arm quilters get really busy during the holidays and they may need projects well in advance to get them on their schedules. I know I've already seen some long-arm quilters uh, share that they're already booked for the season, so it's best to reach out as soon as you can to get a deadline from your quilter and then prioritize getting those quilts done first. Exactly. Being aware of these dates and seeing how many items are actually on your to-do list can really help you prioritize which projects to start now and which ones can be saved for later in the season. You may even want to number them in order of importance on your list. For example, it may be important for you to finish the gift for your daughter by Christmas because you've already kind of talked to her and had her help choose the fabrics, and she may be disappointed if it's not wrapped in under the Christmas tree. And if you don't finish the presents for your coworkers or friends in times, maybe you can push those gifts back to February for, let's say, a Valentine's or even my favorite, Galentine's Day celebration. That's such a fun idea. Yeah, luckily there is a few few holidays following Christmas for you to slide those gifts into. (laughs) A lot of times I think we put pressure on ourselves to make the most beautiful and a lot of handmade gifts for the holidays, but that doesn't mean we should sacrifice our sanity and our favorite holiday traditions to make time to sew gifts. There are opportunities for gift giving all year long, so if you're feeling overwhelmed, prioritize the gifts you feel are important and save other gifts for the future. One more tip to help stay organized this season is to make small goals and actually set aside time in your schedule to sew. Now, it's almost Halloween, so it's definitely not too early to start this ritual. Go ahead and block off this time in your planner or digital calendar so you won't accidentally say yes to another commitment. I know that if I need to make a big push on a project, I like to block off an entire day or a weekend to spend quilting. And to make it extra special, I'll even save some of my favorite holiday movies to watch while I'm sewing or listen to a holiday playlist just to get in the holiday spirit. However, if life is just too hectic to dedicate an entire weekend to sewing, don't panic. Try to set aside a shorter amount of time, like 20 or 30 minutes a couple of days each week instead. Now, I'm a night owl, so I often feel most creative in the evenings and find that working on handwork is a great way to relax at the end of my day. And it's really amazing what progress you can make in just a short amount of time. Now, if you do need to take a short break on a project in order to, you know, maybe buy additional fabric or if life just gets busy, be sure to write down where you are in the gift making process so you can easily pick up right where you left off. 
Good point. It is frustrating to come back to your workspace after a few weeks and just forget where you are in the process. And then you might waste all your valuable sewing time figuring those things out. And I love your idea of making a movie date each week to sew. The new Hallmark Christmas movies just started last week, so I may cozy up with a few movies and start sewing. That sounds amazing. (laughs) Now, if you're looking for a little more organization help this holiday season, we also have a handy holiday gift tracker available to download online. So be sure to visit our show notes to get it. Thanks, Elizabeth. Thanks, Lindsay. Now we're moving on to what we're loving and we are all about the quilty gifts right now, both as things to put on your own wish list, but also to give other sewers in your life. So first we wanna talk about a book we think is perfect for holiday season. It's called Tantalizing Table Toppers, and it's by author Judy Gothier. I don't know if I'm saying her last name right, but it contains 20 easy patterns with step-by-step instructions for everything you need to dress your table. So there's table runner patterns, placemats, napkins, and more. So if you're looking for some fun new ways to decorate your table for the holidays, this book might give you a little head start on some easy patterns. Next, we want to talk about Allison Glass thread boxes. So she has four color palettes of thread boxes that each come with 12 thread colors. So they're all made to match with her fabric collections, um, but each box contains just slightly different color palettes, so you can kind of choose the one you like best. And they have Wonderful Eleganza Number 8 Pearl Cotton Thread in the thread boxes. So just very beautiful, great if you're doing embroidery, embellishing, hand bold, you know, bold hand quilting on your quilts. They're just so beautiful, and um, if you're a fan of Allison Glass, this is definitely something you need to add to your collection. Another product we're loving is from Art Gallery Fabrics, and they have these curated mix of their best-selling prints from across all their collections, and they've combined them into these themed fabric bundles. They're called Bundle Up Fabric Bundles, which is such a cute name, and it does remind us of winter. So these themed bundles have 10, 10 fabrics, either fat quarters or half yard cuts, depending on what you like to work with. And it's just a great way to add a variety of fabrics to your collection, but around a certain theme. So um, the one we bought in the office is uh, winter themed. So it had just a lot of pretty winter fabrics, but outside of just like one fabric collection you could buy. So you're getting a variety of prints to add to your stash around a theme. So that's very fun. Now we want to talk about jewelry. So there are a few different pieces we want to talk about. The first is from Moda Fabrics, and it is a scissor bangle is the name of it. And it's just a cute adjustable bracelet featuring kind of a scissor design that goes across your wrist. And it comes in both silver and gold. So you can kind of pick the color you like best. It's so fun to just wear, to show off to everyone that you love sewing. It'd be cute to wear it during the holiday parties. <laughs> And then there's two necklaces from um, the Quilt Spot that we are specifically loving. We've we've featured their jewelry over the years. It's all so cute. But these two necklaces are customizable. So we think they're really fun because it gives you a little project to work on this winter. So one is a pendant necklace that has little holes in it for you to add a cross stitch design. So you can add any sort of design you'd like, make up your own. They have some free patterns on their website, but 
It's just a cute little quick way to dress up your own pendant with an original design. And then they also have a fabric locket necklace that has a button cover that you can customize. So you can add your favorite fabric if you like to fussy cut shapes, or you could make a small embroidery design and add it to the fabric cover. And this is so easy to switch out. So if you are someone that likes to switch out your necklaces for occasions or seasons, it's so easy to just switch the button cover to a different fabric or design and make it really fit your outfit. So both of those are fun little projects for the winter. So over the next few months, we're going to be sharing all of our top picks for gift items. So keep listening in to hear more things we love. And of course, we'll link to all these gifts in our show notes so that you can add them to your list if you're interested. We're going to take a quick ad break, but hang tight. When we come back, we're chatting with a local quilt shop about how they're helping their community. Now I'm handing it over to Doris Brunette, the editor of Quilt Sampler Magazine, for Love Your Local Quilt Shop, a segment where we feature the community connections and success stories of independent quilt shops. Take it away, Doris. Today I'm talking to Wanda Moss, owner of Calico Crossing in Lockhart, Texas, a town with a population of roughly 13,000, located between San Antonio and Austin. Wanda opened a small quilt shop, Calico Crossing, in 2011 and expanded to the space next door a few years later. She has just one part-time employee, but otherwise remains a one-woman show after eight and a half years in business. Welcome to the podcast, Wanda. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we were talking today because you sent an email to our office in early October about a unique addition you were adding to your shop. And it's an excellent example of small business adapting to serve customers during the pandemic. Can you tell me a little bit about this new arm of your business that you launched on Friday, October 17th? Absolutely. I'm happy to. We actually bought a 29 passenger shuttle bus and we have adapted it to create a small quilting and gift shop. So we have fabric and we have notions and patterns and some gifty things that we can get out to people in our community and communities that are a little further out from us. That's great. It's just like a library bookmobile for quilters and fabric lovers. I love it. (laughs) Uh, What did or what made you decide that you wanted to add this mobile unit to your business? You know, it had been something that had kind of been in the back of my mind for several years. I kept thinking this would be so much fun and it would be a great addition to what we do, but it never seemed like it was really the right time for me to do it. And lately with the pandemic and uh, I was able to bring Nicole in uh, to help at the shop, it just seemed like the time was right and I had the opportunity to buy the bus. And so we decided now's the time. That's great. Um, And I think your timing is perfect just because of everything that's going on. Um, And you have a good way of being able to have people social distancing too. You can control the amount of people you let on the bus at a time. That's Um, very true. Yeah. So how far, um, how far do you plan to travel with your, with the queen bee mobile unit? You know, it's something that we're still trying to determine. We kind of said 100 to 150 miles, 
but if there is a group or a community that would like to have us and it's a little further out than that, we're certainly willing to take a look at that and see if it's something that we can do. We are currently visiting a lot of, of quilt retreat houses and festivals and communities that are within about a hundred mile radius. Oh, retreat houses. That's a great idea. So yeah, especially if it's, um, a retreat that's not necessarily associated with the shop right next door so that's a really that's good exactly right because I'm the one who always forgets my scissors yeah <laughs> there's always something thread yes. whatever <laughs> um, how often do you plan to have the mobile unit open for shopping right now we're still in kind of a discovery mode I guess mm -hmm. you can say we will certainly have it open when we're traveling to events we've done seven events in the last uh, 10 days now, but we will also incorporate it into some special sales here at the shop. So we'll park across the street and we may have special sales on the Queen Bee that are not available in the shop and just have a little fun with it. Yeah, you've got a lot of, a lot of possibility with that. It's such a fun idea. How many customers can you accommodate in the mobile unit at one time? You know, five to six comfortably. Um, like I said before, it's it was a 29 passenger shuttle bus, so it is a large vehicle. But I find that five to six people that that's about what it can accommodate without us really kind of being on top of each other. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've seen the pictures of it, and it looks like a uh, really unique space. So you, and I think you made good use of the space. Let's put it that way. Yeah, um, we we spent some time mapping that out. <laughs> so um, you had mentioned to me um, how you kind of announced this to your um, to your customer base. Uh, could you tell our um, listeners a little bit about what you did to build up to this? We had so much fun. It uh, we knew that even for ourselves, th this kind of weird time that we're in, we need something to look forward to and to think about and guess about. So we decided that we would do kind of a, a secret uh, project here. And we, I, I drove to Arkansas to pick up the bus. So we posted a map of Arkansas and all the places that we were planning to go in Arkansas, but we told no one why we were going or what we were doing. And so we did this campaign on our Facebook page and on our Instagram that was these little hints and, uh, I, I guess a hint is the best way to describe it, but of, you know, what's to come. It's the big surprise. It's the big reveal. And then we did the big reveal here at the shop uh, last weekend. Yeah. And you literally surprised them like nobody saw it or knew until they came that day, right? There were like five people total that knew what was going on. And wow. They were all guessing. They thought I was expanding the shop. They thought I was moving. They thought all kinds of things, but nobody thought that I was building a bus. Yeah, that's a pretty big secret to keep. So it's such a unique, fun idea. I just love it. So, and you were telling me um, that you were able to stay open through the whole COVID shutdown. Um, again, you're located in Texas. Uh, we had a lot of quarantine rules, and I know there's a lot of businesses in your area that did have to close down. Um, tell me uh, how that experience was for Calico Crossing. Well, it was frightening in the beginning. Uh, 
as with any tiny business, the thought of having to close your doors for for however long um, was really frightening. But we knew that there was a a shortage of PPE, of masks, um, certainly in our area and I think nationwide. And we had supplies to make them. So we started by making masks for our first responders and our nursing homes here in town and donating those. And then I had people calling me and saying, Wanda, I need four masks for my family or I need five masks because I have to go back to work. So we started making and selling masks and we were able to continue to be open as an essential business doing curbside delivery of a face mask for the time period until businesses started to reopen here in town. That's great. I've heard that from a lot of other shops too, that they were um, ended up being deemed essential um, for the mask making supplies and, and with curbside service, we're able to stay in business, which is awesome. Uh, so that's a good way that you served your community, definitely. And you have a group also that kind of focuses on um, community service, correct? That's organized through the quilt shop? There is, we call it a bee, but it's very informal. Uh, it really is a group of quilters here that are my customers, my friends, my community. We get together once a month, sometimes a little more often, uh, and certainly not even that often during the <laughs> pandemic, but we get together and we will create a quilt for a charity auction or do something that benefits our, our community in some way. But the other side of that is I think that something that we are lacking as a society today is that building women up, other women building women up. And we support each other and we cheerlead for each other and I think that it it's really important that we all have this community so a lot of that has come through our little informal bee here at the shop. The, I agree with you a hundred percent and we're we've all realized this year how important community is for sure um, and then the other thing I wanted to touch on before we uh, say goodbye is um, I know that you have a way of um, getting youth into sewing um, and is it a particular uh, group that you have or what is it that you do with the youth in your area? Each, uh, each summer, primarily, we have two weeks of what we call summer camp. Um, the kids come to me at 10 o'clock in the morning. They stay with me until four o'clock in the afternoon for five straight days. And we sew and craft for five days. They bring a lunch with them and we laugh and play and cut up and we learn handwork, we learn to use a machine, how to maintain a machine. And it just opens up some opportunities for them for not only for skills that may be really helpful to them down the road, but also for leisure skills, which I think some of our kids are missing now. So we do a minimum of two weeks of that every year and it always books up in like 15 minutes. We have a lot of uh, young ladies that return and do it, you know, over and over each summer. And I love them all. This week we ended up doing three weeks. And I, I wonder sometimes if it was 
pandemic related as well as that parents were looking for something that their children could do safely. But we have so much fun with these young people and I see them then come back into the shop with their allowance money so that they can buy fat quarters and they can buy zippers and whatever to do the things that we taught them while they were with us for the week. That is so fun. Like when I was that age, I would have been all over a week long sewing or quilting camp. <laughs> I would still be all over a week. Exactly, right? <laughs> I would do it today. Exactly. Um, and I think that's just such, it's so important to get that next generation um, interested and involved in those type of handcrafts. And it's important for our mental health to do things with your hands. And that's just one more thing. And I think you're right that this year, um, parents are looking for a lot more things for the kid, keep kids busy in their leisure hours and, you know, screens aren't always the answer. So I think I that's agree. Great, a great option to have. So, well, Wanda, I've seen the photos on your Facebook page of your opening weekend of your Queen Bee mobile unit, and I want to shop the quilt mobile. <laughs> I love the idea, and I wish you the great success with it. Hopefully one Thanks. day I can visit your shop in Texas. I would love that. Thank you for this time that you spent today um, chatting with me. Uh, it has been my pleasure. Great. Well, I hope uh, things go well for you and the rest of 2020 continues to go as well as it has so far. Thank you so much. If you would like to see photos of Wanda's Queen Bee mobile shop or find out where you can shop the Queen Bee, you can go to calicocrossing.com and click on the Follow the Queen Bee tab. Thanks so much, Doris. Now, before we leave today, I wanted to share an opportunity for all our podcast listeners. The week of Thanksgiving, we're doing a podcast show called Count Your Quilty Blessings. We'd love to hear a story of something or someone that you're grateful for in your quilting life so that we can share it on the show. If you'd like to share, please call and leave us a voicemail at 515-257-6870. You can also email us your story or a voice memo at apqpodcast at meredith.com. Everyone have a great week and a safe Halloween.